Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I'm joined by Doug McLaughlin, who was recently appointed CEO of Diamond State Networks, a collection of electric cooperatives in Arkansas that are working to provide wholesale fiber optic broadband throughout the state. Doug previously served as partner and chief strategy officer for Leverage Broadband Strategies, a consulting firm that helped form Diamond State in 2020. He and I talk about Diamond State Networks in detail, including its progress in Arkansas so far, the role state and federal funding are playing in its build out, how Diamond State is working to expand its model beyond the state of Arkansas, and more. Doug, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Nicole. Thank you very much for having me. It's great, great to talk with you again. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you again, too. Uh, you and I spoke for the first time last summer, um, a really long time ago, from what I remember, um, about Diamond State Networks. Um, but for people who aren't familiar with it, uh, I would love for you to give a little bit of background on Diamond State Networks. And you were pretty recently appointed CEO. So tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, that's big news for me, obviously. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, congratulations. I'm, 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 just uh, realistically the honor of a, of a career and of a lifetime for me. So I can't say enough about the pride I feel for, for this new appointment. Um, I, uh, you know, previously was working with Diamond State in a consultative capacity for uh, my company, Leverage Broadband Strategies. And, and so Leverage has been a part of the Diamond State story more or less since its inception. And we, we continue to work with Leverage. So for, for me, it's great. I get the best of both worlds. Um, so Diamond State, to kind of rewind here, uh, was, was an idea that, that started socializing um, maybe in its earliest form around 2015. Um, Arkansas Electric Cooperative, which is our statewide generation and transmission cooperative that serves power uh, to all the distribution cooperatives, um, was asked in 2015 to, to uh, start up a, a research project around creating a statewide network to connect to various points of interest along the electrical grid. Um, so, you know, that, that's the kind of thing at, at the time that was, was pretty unfamiliar territory. So it, it took a while. And, and fortunately for us, since it took a while, the, the, the last mile broadband conversations within electric cooperatives really started to hit, hit a pitch. Um, Mitchell Johnson, who's the CEO of Ozarks Electric, has kind of been our visionary here in Arkansas that, that sort of, I mean, he, he was able to envision all of this coming down a long way off. Um, and so I think we, we've benefited tremendously from that vision. Um, and, and only a, a couple of years after they, they started the program at, at Ozarks Electric, um, uh, Mitchell Johnson and, and Mel Coleman and, and Brian Duncan, a few of the co-op CEOs that were embarking on their last mile journeys kind of came together and said, you know, in the, in the spirit of our seven guiding principles of electric cooperatives, we, we feel like there should be some cooperation among cooperatives, even in the broadband space. And, um, and so, you know, connecting networks together in, in its most simple form, maybe, hey, if your primary internet connection goes down, maybe we can help you out or vice versa. Um, and, uh, and, and so I think the, the idea, you know, sort of brainstorm started in, in early, early 2020, I was invited to a meeting uh, here in Jonesboro, where I'm based, um, of, of nine of kind of our founding cooperatives uh, to, to sort of help sort through, okay, hey, we, we've got a lot of good ideas, but how do we start putting, you know, one foot in front of the other on, on putting this whole picture together? Um, 
and, and luckily for me, I had some, some consortium development experience and, you know, had maybe seen it done, done well and not, not so well in some cases and had some good experiences to play off of. And, and so, uh, uh, leverage and, and, and I came on board to, to help sort of, you know, take, take diamond state to the next level of progress. Um, and so now we're up to 13 electric cooperative parent companies, uh, hoping to probably add a couple more this year that are just now kind of getting into their broadband visions. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, with, uh, uh, the most exciting part of our story that we've sort of developed here in the last year or so has become, uh, interstate partnerships. Uh, mm-hmm. so we, we have conversations right now taking place, uh, you know, from, from Oklahoma to Texas, to Louisiana, to Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Michigan, Kentucky, it, you just name it. It's like, like this patchwork quilt of very, very similarly minded companies that are now, you know, seeing that, okay, Diamond State has really kind of taken the leap here. You know, maybe they can help us to sort through some of our ideas too. And so, you know, between uh, the progress we've made here at Diamond State, between the resources that Leverage has to offer, we've really, um, you know, become a, really a, a good, friendly player here in the the cooperative middle mile arena that's, you know, helping a lot of states come together. And, and so now, whereas we, we've been hyper-focused on Arkansas, I think we're really starting to see this pathway towards, you know, a bigger regional and, and, and even potentially national vision for how the cooperatives may have a, a long-term impact on the cost of connecting subscribers over a very, very long period of time. That's really interesting. So just to um, be specific, what you're talking about in Arkansas, what you guys are doing at Diamond State is a a statewide cooperation between electric cooperatives to build middle mile fiber, right? right. Um, and electric cooperatives across the country are also building out fiber and also some of them are serving as ISPs or bringing on uh, an entity to serve as an ISP. Um, so you're talking almost about a third thing where there's an interstate collaboration. Um, are you thinking that there could even be uh, an interstate f- fiber network or are you thinking more in terms of like cooperatives are going to share best practices? So I think it's both. Uh, okay. I, I think absolutely, you know, theoretically, we electric cooperatives have, have historically helped one another with everything. I mean, you, you, you see it most notably when a when a hurricane comes through, or when an ice storm happens, and you see a lot of damage to networks, crews from all around the country deploy to go help, you know, quickly resurrect the, the networks and get subscribers back online as quickly as possible. Um, and, and so in the broadband context, I think it's both and because I think we we're very willing to, to share with war stories or, or best practices or, or, you know, potentially things that we've developed that might expedite business models in other areas. Um, but also, I do think there's a, <clears throat> a strong realization, you know, first that in Arkansas, it's, it's always been true. One, one cooperative is stronger working with the cooperative next door. Um, right. And so certainly the 17 cooperatives in Arkansas are much stronger working together. Um, that vision also plays true for why the cooperatives in Arkansas working across the river with cooperatives in Mississippi should make them all much stronger, um, especially in the broadband world. So um, where, where we sit sort of in, in the Mid-South here, <clears throat> you, to, to have the highest degree of connectivity and the lowest cost structure for connectivity, you need to have a presence in, in Dallas, Chicago, and Atlanta, kind of your mm-hmm. three tier one hubs. Um, 
but we we can't get there on our own. We 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 don't have connectivity down to the Dallas Metro yet, even though we're 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 starting to get closer and closer. Um, so we we count on you know national or regional providers um, to to get us there, and and sometimes that connectivity comes at, at you know a, a tremendous expense. Uh, it, it takes a very long time to get the connectivity delivered to us. To augment the connectivity when we need more capacity can take a very, very long time. Um, <clears throat> and so I think the end game here for us is really, you know, certainly at a regional level, it, you know, more so at a national level, this would be helpful too, is to own the connectivity between those three major centers. I mean, you, you, you could tack in D.C. there as well. Um, but, but once you do that, you have the highest degree of control over the upstream cost drivers for connectivity, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> the, the ability to create big content uh, delivery networks. You know, we, we've actually incorporated a company. Um, the acronym is RPICS. It's Arkansas Public Internet Exchange uh, that we're working on recruiting new content providers that have never really cashed locally within the state of Arkansas here. Um, but because our residential and business traffic load is going to be so significant just because of the cooperative reach, we can actually attract a new level of, of content delivery here into the state that really hasn't existed previously. So what we like to say is we're actually bringing the Internet to Arkansas right. uh, <laughs> as opposed to selling it in Arkansas, but buying it in Chicago or, or wherever. Right. It be. Um, and, and so that's that's kind of the the exciting part that, you know, maybe even a year ago, we didn't see quite as clearly, but the, the interest across the country has just been absolutely dumbfounded. So very cool. Um, and so you're, uh, the electric co-ops that are part of diamond state networks, are any of them delivering broadband service? Or are you all working with external ISPs? Right. So, uh, all, all 13, uh, of our cooperatives are are broadband cooperatives. Okay. Um, we're, like I said, we're, we're you know we're hoping to add more and more. Right. You know, we'd love to see all 17 participate. Um, not not sure if that's going to happen or not, but but we remain hopeful. Um, so our our very first mission obviously is to serve the companies that have invested in us that own us. Um, but on what I've kind of told some of our ISP friends around the state is you know really in the back half of 2023 once we've kind of you know seeded our kernel connectivity, got it to a stable place where we where we need it to be that's when we want to start opening the doors to helping uh, internet service providers all around the state, because it is, mm-hmm. you know, to really remain mission focused and not monopolistic, you have to use this platform as the tide that raises all boats and not just uh, for yourselves. Granted, you, you've got to take care of your investors. I need, I need my board members to remain happy with me, obviously. Yep. <laughs> and so, uh, but, but the real mission in, in actual Diamond State's mission statement is we want to see Arkansas become the most significantly connected state in the country. And so we, awesome. we lean into that. We observe that. Um, we're pursuing money from the NTIA middle mile fund um, that actually would, would dictate that we become an open access network. And so okay. uh, right. in the middle mile context, you know, if you separate it from, from kind of a typical last mile focus, the way that you, you know, quote unquote, win in this model is by driving traffic. Um, and, and you don't drive traffic to its maximal point by being selective with whom you connect to. Um, and, and so we feel like the, the, the more traffic we drive, the more content we can aggregate within the state, the lower we can buy, you know, upstream units of connectivity. Um, 
and, and the more cost savings we can pass along to our constituent members or, or uh, associate members of Diamond State. Um, and that should reflect on uh, stability of internet pricing at the end consumer level. Uh, even though we can't control end consumer pricing, we feel like we can have a very downward force on that. Um, right. And in, in, I probably even made this joke to you before, but, uh, you know, we, we talk about our Arkansas analogy of becoming like the Walmart of broadband, um, where, where we have the best possible supply chain for services and the lowest possible prices. That's, there you that's go. The, the, the end objective for us. Um, so you mentioned the NTIA middle mile. Uh, good luck. Uh, as you know, I'm sure the the program got like $5 billion in requests for $1 billion in funds. So are you uh, are you confident? How are you feeling about that <laughs> that grant? I mean, first of all, I'm really not surprised. I mean, totally <laughs> wrong to just a, a average Joe like me, uh, you know, a billion dollars is like this mind boggling amount of money that you can't really process. But in, in the context of middle mile efforts across the entire country, it's sort of a drop in the bucket, right? Yeah. It, it, as a matter of fact, if, if I was going to put an audacious vision for the next rounds of funding out there, I don't think it's going to happen at the last mile level the way it was before, but I could very much so envision the next $50 billion program being almost singularly middle mile focused. That, mm-hmm. That's very easy for me to see. Um, <clears throat> but I think we, um, we're not surprised by the demand. We're, we're, um, a little disappointed that the timeline has shifted so dramatically for the awards to be made. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I think we're, we're confident that we, we entered a public private partnership with uh, Aron, uh, Arkansas regional education optical network here in Arkansas. They're, they're a you know, regional education network that, that is seeking to connect all the two and four year universities along with, you know, healthcare institutions and research facilities around the state. And we, we complement their mission very well. Um, and, and so that, that public private partnership, we feel like gives us a, a very good offering to the program. We, you know, we hope that it scores tremendously and we've been, you know, kind of working on, um, you know, feedback after the fact on the application, clarifying points. And, 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 and we're, we're hopeful that, that, you know, to some level we have, you know, success there. Um, I think what we're more optimistic about is the fact that um, we've, uh, we've we've got a newly revamped broadband office here in the state of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. We, we have a new, uh, you know, govern, governor and, and administration there that, that, that are embracing broadband with both arms. Um, and, and I think what, what we feel like is, you know, the, the local support from our state uh, officials is going to be probably more impactful for us than, than the federal program will be. Um, and, and really, it seems to make more sense. I mean, we're, we're you know, along with Aron, very missionally focused here in Arkansas. Um, and, and so having the support of the state, a partnership with the state even, I think will be a really powerful thing for us. Yeah. And to that point, you know, the state currently, I think, has capital projects funds to distribute through the American Rescue Plan for broadband projects. And they will, of course, have bead funds um, in the pretty near-ish-ish-ish future. Um, do you, so your relationship with the state should be useful for those grants. Um, do you see opportunities for Diamond State Networks with BEAD? We, we hope so. Um, <clears throat> so the, the capital projects funds were, were just announced that the, yeah. the $150 million was awarded here in the state. Um, in, in the electric cooperatives that are a part of Diamond State, uh, we're, we're lucky enough to receive about $110 million of that. Excellent. Uh, so really, really big day for, for rural Arkansas. 
uh, and, and great news for tons of communities that, that you know, I think we're kind of going, hey, we're, we're still in this void. We don't know, you know, art often really help us. And so uh, I think it's great news for, for loads of Arkansans. Um, the, the state of Arkansas, I think, you know, based on some projections, is hopeful to have um, enough money to, to serve not only its last mile needs, but to create some ancillary programs that really drive industry. Um, and so I think middle mile, you know, we're, we're obviously pushing for middle mile to become a focus for the state because it has such a normalizing effect on costs, uh, you know, not only for ongoing costs, but also for the cost of construction of these networks. You know, the, the longer you have to build your source connectivity from wherever it's coming to wherever it's serving, the more that project costs and, and a platform like Diamond State could potentially curb lots and lots of the upfront capital costs. And then, you know, we already talked about the cost savings ongoing. Uh, I, th I think, you know, m more than likely hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars that could be saved over the next 20 to 30 years, utilizing a, a comprehensive middle mile platform. Um, and so I think that that's really more the, the exciting part for us. Um, you know, I think agricultural programs that, that uh, you know, smart ag is, it, it, it's conceptually been here for a long time, but it is a major challenge. Uh, if, if you look at the eastern delta of Arkansas, where you could potentially travel, you know, dozens or, or you know, more miles without seeing a cell tower, uh, you know, even faintly in the distance. If you have a smart meter or a, a smart tractor or something like that, you're trying to connect to, you know, a long distance off remotely. It's very, very challenging to serve those, even with a with a 5G or a fixed wireless signal that can travel a great distance because there's no source to connect that tower to. Uh, and so this comprehensive middle mile program, I think, really serves as a basis for multimodal connectivity uh, that goes way beyond just fiber to the home. Right. That's, okay. that's where I think uh, the, the state of Arkansas is really starting to embrace that uh, that impact, not only on end consumers, but also on industrial development. Too. Yeah. So tell me about some of the, you know, the network specifics. I, I can't remember if you mentioned already how many people you expect Diamond State Networks to connect, or not people, but uh, locations. Sure. <laughs> you yeah. don't have to go out and count every person. A number of passings right now uh, yeah. committed to, to be built is over 600,000, uh, okay. which is over 50 significant of the locations in Arkansas. So we, we, we will support more than half the population of the state. Awesome. Um, at least with access to, to our last mile networks. Uh, and that's before we start to, you know, help other internet service providers and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, we, we, we feel like on, on the other side of bead, it's, you know, it's going to be probably well north of that. Um, and we, we hope that the comprehensive reach that we're capable of achieving with partnerships through other ISPs, you know, takes us well into the, the, you know, extreme majority of the state that, that at some level are served off of the Diamond State platform. Right. Awesome. And um, what challenges are you facing with your build? Do you have supply challenges, labor challenges? Any? I know you mentioned good relationships with the state, but are there other any policies you'd like to see change that would make your life a little easier? You know, I, I think we're very lucky in Arkansas to have great policy support. Um, <clears throat> I, I think, you know, we... we would, would love to see policies and, and programs executed more quickly. Sure. Uh, it's very complicated. You know, mapping is, is always kind of a perennial challenge for everyone. Um, really, our, our biggest constraint right now has been supply chain. Um, we, we have had electronics uh, that missed their initial shipping projections by more than a year in some cases. Wow, okay. 
and, and that's that's extremely impactful to a, to a model, right? Where you're trying to balance, um, you know, your cost of deployment with with revenue inbound to to you know make more responsible, efficient investments. Uh, and, and so when you you know have to stunt an, an entire segment of your network by a year, uh, you know it's very 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 challenging to overcome that, especially when maybe you've committed to to customers to being there within a certain time frame. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, we always make uh, the decisions based around the best data that we have at the time. Um, but, but one thing that I think that has come from this is, is we talk to our suppliers and especially some of our, our primary suppliers that are, you know, large national equipment uh, vendors. Um, I think their core strength is going to be something remarkably different here, you know, within the next year from where it would have been a few years ago. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I kind of think every day that, uh, as much as it's a challenge for us, at least I'm not them. <laughs> they, they, they get it from all angles. And, and man, I, I can't imagine some of the days they've had to, you know, incur in, in their right. working lives. And, and uh, but I do think, you know, the, the back half of 2023, you almost hear it like it's a rehearsed message among multiple vendors who I know don't talk to one another because they're competitors in a lot of cases. <laughs> But the back half of 2023 is where they really feel like the normalization is going to start to occur with supply chain timelines. So, you know, for the first nice. time in a while, I'm starting to kind of lean into that and believe it because it is coming from different sources and not just from one voice. Um, yeah. And so we're hopeful that that we can expedite our deployments, you know, in late 2023 to 2024 uh, by, by a whole lot over over where we're at right now. Okay. So with supply being the biggest um, barrier to deployment, then um, I'm just curious if you've also encountered, you know, different ways to lay or hang or whatever you're doing with your fiber. What are you doing with your fiber? And how, what have you found is the most efficient method to deploy it? Well, we're, we're really lucky that, uh, <clears throat> you know, Diamond State with 13 electric cooperative members, we have 13 discreetly different workforces along with their contractor networks that, that kind of come together to, to build the pyramid, right? Um, and so it is mind-blowing how quickly electric cooperatives can deploy network, especially in the, you know, sort of lateral and last mile networks. Um, <clears throat> they, the existing infrastructure investments and, and rights of way and uh, the, the talent pool that they pull from that are already knowledgeable about the construction of these assets is, is remarkable. Um, now, Diamond State, for our primary middle mile pathways, we are burying uh, almost every single you know, inch of fiber that, that we can. Um, in a couple of very extreme cases in the Ozark Mountains, uh, we've jumped up on uh, some pole lines for kind of limited segments of the network um, because of the extreme formidable cost and, and time consumption of burying those networks in, in areas that really are, are barely accessible, uh, you know, by anything other than, you know, hiking or, or maybe a four wheeler. Um, we, uh, we've, we've got some limited sections where we've decided to come up above ground and, and you know, when you, when you're $700,000 a mile or something like that, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to justify that. And, uh, yeah. um, you know, the nice thing about above ground networks is your, your time to repair is so absolutely fast. Um, with below ground networks, you, you have a little more shielding from elements, but when you have a problem, it is much more of a problem, um, and, and usually a much longer outage and the workforce that the cooperatives employ allow you to fix aerial lines extremely quickly. 
Um, and that's something that has kind of changed my mindset about the value of, of above or below ground networks. You know, in the in the for profit space where we didn't employ quite as much horsepower, uh, you know, in, in, in that field as an electric cooperative does it, you know, aerial fixes are still pretty challenging. Uh, but but for electric cooperatives, it really is a, a you know, a, a very easy thing for them to manage quickly. Gotcha. Okay. One last question for you. I'll make it a combo and then I'll let you go. Um, uh, I'm already forgetting the first half of my question. <laughs> okay. My fir- my final question for you is um, based on your work on the ground, as well as your own state broadband mapping, the FCC's broadband map, do you think with uh, Diamond State Networks laying the middle ground, um, it is possible to reach all those last mile locations in Arkansas? the hardest ones to reach with fiber? Do you envision fixed wireless getting in there as well? And then as my add on to that, you know, since you mentioned at the top that you are offering best practices to other co-ops in in the country, I'd love to hear one or two suggestions for any other electric co-ops that are trying to um, follow your lead or at least get involved in the broadband game. Well, great, great questions. Uh, And so kind of tackling the first one. I, I think it's absolutely possible to reach everybody in Arkansas with fiber. I, I do not know that it's holistically practical. Um, I, I would love to see us encroaching on a, on a you know, 97, 98% type distribution number. Um, but I think where, where fixed wireless are concerned and, um, you know, I, there, there are certain parts of the state where we say, this is why God invented Elon Musk. Uh, we uh, kind of joke about that because they're so tremendously difficult and expensive to reach. And not only that, you know, there, there is a segment of the population in Arkansas that really loves the, the rural nature of where they live. They, they, they go to these places because they want to be disconnected and they want to enjoy nature and not be encumbered with, you know, work all of the time. And so some, some vacation areas where people just really don't want connectivity there. Uh, and and, and to, to be honest, it's quite refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, it is something I think about as I do this podcast. I'm like, maybe not everybody wants it. <laughs> That's right. I don't know. I always talk about the, you know, if you take a beach trip, the first thing you should do is throw your phone in the ocean. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, but so, so I think it's, it's, you know, the reality for Arkansas will, will be, you know, probably high upper nineties percentage of distribution and access. Uh, and we'll be very pleased to see that number. Um, but, but multimodal connectivity, I think is always going to be necessary. There, there's gotta be, you know, f- fiber is great, but it's not mobile. Um, and, and so you've got to have some 5G, you've got to have some fixed wireless. I think satellite internet is going to, you know, especially Leo technology is going to, going to play a big part for some of the extreme rural parts of the world. Um, yeah. and, and so I, I think to the, to the ISPs and or cooperatives that are kind of thinking down this path. And, um, I, I think if you went back and you ask, uh, you know, Mitchell and, and some of our guys that sort of had these founding ideas, um, th- there's a propensity to have lots and lots of good ideas, but sort of picking the jumping off point in uh, that first initial landing point. Th- that sometimes is like the very hardest thing to do. Um, and so we, we do the, the Diamond State Dog and Pony show all the time about how we started, why we started there, you know, why some decisions were great, some weren't as good, but we corrected them quickly. Um, and I think just knowing that there are resources out there that, uh, you know, we're, we're willing to jump on the phone at, at, at anybody's convenience just to, to kind of tell our story and, and help out with that. 
um, very wheelhouse for the cooperatives to think that way. And so we're, we're kind of, you know, in the family and we feel like helping the family is always great. Um, but, uh, but I think the important part to, to remember is there are lots of broadband projects that receive tons of upfront funding that end up being really bad investments over the long haul. Um, as a matter of fact, you see lots of bankruptcies and things like that that can occur over, over time. So I think if, if you're not taking that next step to safeguard your model, to stabilize your cost structure, to stabilize your pricing to your consumers, I think you're actually injecting more risk into your model than you may imagine. Uh, and that's where I, I think, you know, taking that next step with, with middle mile and, and some cooperation among cooperatives is really, really important uh, and, and will be the thing that I think we look back in 10 or 15 years and say, oh, man, thank goodness we, we really embraced this idea and didn't wait around to do it. Awesome. Well, I think this is an exciting project. I'm super excited to see how it all progresses. And I want to thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us about it today. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Thank you, Nicole. Always great to talk with you. Awesome. You too. Thank you again, Doug, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landriau, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.